You're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Wednesday afternoon. A bit of a typhoony Wednesday afternoon. So, uh, without further ado, let's uh, turn to our very first guest and topic of today. In the next 15 minutes or so, we'll be hearing about a brand new podcast called Playing the Inner Game, which is all about the stories and the journeys of successful people. But what does success actually uh, mean to you? And is success the same for everyone? And uh, how do we achieve uh, success? Well, um, our guest is here to share some of these secrets and we have the founder and the host of the podcast playing the inner game with us this afternoon let's welcome to the program michael campion michael it's great to speak to you today how are you doing It's really great to speak to you this afternoon. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, we are on Facebook Live as well. Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 is the Facebook page. We've managed to get the audio back, so that, that's good. Um, so, Michael, it's great to speak to you. Um, are you doing well? I am, thank you. Yeah, making, uh, making the most of what's been a, a little bit of a quiet time, quieter time rather, for a lot of people. Um, definitely keeping myself busy. Um, the kids have gone back to homeschool, which hasn't been ideal. Um, but hey, we're all just getting through as best as we can, aren't we? Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this typhoony afternoon. Um, those of us uh, joining us on Facebook, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3 may have missed the intro. It's my fault that the audio wasn't plugged in. I blame the typhoon. So I might just uh, give a, uh, a quick uh, intro uh, once again uh, for Michael Campion. He's the host um, of this podcast uh, called uh, Playing the Inner Game. It's And it's all about sharing the journey of successful people. And, uh, you know, oftentimes we ask, what does success actually mean? mean um, it might mean different things to different people and do we have the ability um, to be successful um, are there certain secrets so before we talk about those secrets Michael let's perhaps uh, talk a little bit more let's go back to the beginning let's talk a little bit more about um, when did you decide to to launch a po- podcast um, and when was that sort of defining moment to really uh, put it into action tell us the, the beginnings of it yeah so it's 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 actually something that I wanted to to really launch for a number of years, but as with everything, life gets in the way, right? And uh, the pandemic really, for me, served as a forcing function to kind of give birth to and give life to a project that I've wanted to, to launch for a very long time. And like you, I'm a lover of long-form audio. I'm a lover of radio, always have been. And just as a voracious consumer of podcasts, I felt like I could add something um, to that medium. Uh, and probably every podcaster thinks the same, <laughs> thinks, thinks that their guests are special, their show is special. Um, but really it was just, it was a niche that I've wanted to scratch. Um, I've been a public speaker and um, a public speaking coach for, for, for a little while. And I just felt this was actually a great way, not for me to shine light on myself, but for me to shine a light on some brilliant people, some brilliant guests, some, some amazing humans of Hong Kong and further afield, and really just show the human side of, of their story because we are bombarded with stuff on social media about how successful people are, and it's very easy to believe that everyone is absolutely crushing it, right? And I wanted to just that yes, people, you know, there are people out there who, who kind of seem superhuman in their achievements, but I really wanted to dig under the skin and get to what drives them, what motivates them, what makes their lens on the world special, and just try and tease out those common threads and those patterns for my listeners so that we, we can all become, you know, a little bit wiser, a little bit wealthier, a little bit healthier, um, a little bit happier for, for learning, you know, these lessons from the very best. That was the motivation, really. Yeah. Why, why did you decide to launch it in the format of a podcast? Why audio? Why not on YouTube or other platforms? Yeah, I'm, 
I mean, I'm a little bit old fashioned. Um, so I'm a little bit of a purist in the sense that I, I do, I've always loved long form audio, especially kind of share a shared environment as well, which of course isn't always possible. You and I are doing this over Zoom right now. We'd much rather be in the studio together, right? Face to face. So that was kind of the original, the original idea for the podcast. I think podcasts are brilliant. For me, they are intentional. No one stumbles across a podcast episode and decides to listen for an hour, for two hours, right? You have to want to go in there. You have to want to deep dive. So by extension, you automatically filter out the audience that you don't want. And the audience that I don't want are people who with five-second attention spans, who aren't willing to do the work, who aren't interested in necessarily being introspective and, and, and living in an examined life. And that necessarily acts as, actually really is a positive filter for people who will be drawn to my communication style and drawn to the communication style of my guests. And it just gives you the room to express things and a nuance that you aren't usually able to do, right? Even on this show, we necessarily have to edit and clip ourselves a little bit because we know we've got 20, 25 minutes maximum, right? It's the nature of the beast, but this is still miles better than me appearing on CNN or CNBC for 30 seconds and me having to vomit on you as quickly as I can for everyone to think how credible and how smart and intelligent I am. Um, you get to express things in more depth and you can really get to hear someone's story uh, in the podcast format. So that's why I wanted to do it. This is music to my ears, absolutely. It's really nice to have that sort of unfiltered version where you're not editing people out. They really get a platform to share their story and not feel that sort of time restraint. I do apologize. I, I have asked for a longer show, but they've only given me an hour and a half. <laughs> I should, also, <laughs> I should also say a massive congratulations to you, Michael. Uh, your podcast is relatively new, uh, but it's already up in the top uh, shows alongside uh, big hitters like Jay Shetty and Tim Ferriss as well, and all these uh, bigwigs of the podcast world. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, yeah, I, it's, it's still hard to process. I know the, the Apple podcast charts are obviously skewed by territory. But still, I mean, to, to be up with those guys, with Tim Ferriss, with Gary Vee, with Jay Shetty um, for downloads within Hong Kong, um, it's brilliant. It's beyond my wildest expectations. I knew when I recorded my first three guests, because I, I recorded three guests first and foremost and released them all at the same time. And I was sitting on it for a few weeks, ready, waiting for the right time for it to drop. And I knew I had something special. These are three brilliant individuals, all with incredible stories to tell. Um, incredibly smart, incredibly interesting, and just they have a depth of emotional intelligence as well that, that really came across well. And I think that resonated with the people. I think that's why it's done as well as it has, um, because it's authentic. And as you said, it's unfiltered. I do very little editing. Um, it should feel like you're in the room with these people. And I think I've managed to transmit that very, very well, and that's why it's had whatever success it's had. Of course, um, there are many one-hit wonders. Uh, you know, Chumbawamba comes to mind. Uh, but hey, they, they've managed to sell that for the rest of their lives, right? That they're a number one smash hit. So I'm going to dine on out something, on yeah, that. You're um, sitting on something top great. Top 10, top 20. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to dine out on that for a long time. Uh, the test, the acid test, of course, will be staying in the charts for, for years, which um, which I'm excited about. It's, it's a big challenge. But the most thing is I the most important thing I think you'll understand is that I enjoy the process and I get better every single time I do it. Um, just being around sharper people, a little bit of light gets thrown onto me every single time I do it. Um, so you learn from the best. It's, it's actually a great life hack um, sitting down with intelligent people in this podcast format.
Absolutely. And you, I listened to the podcast. It's done wonderfully. You're so present and you ask really intelligent questions and you're really present with your guests also. So, uh, you know, tell us some of, uh, tell us about your guests. What are some of the criteria? Who are you looking for? Mm. Um, are there certain people that you want to talk to and have featured in the past? Yeah, I think what I've done obviously so far is, is go for the low hanging fruit. That's not to say that they're not special but just people within my network right who are friends of mine or friends of friends and the original plan was i'd had i wanted to do everything face to face as i said i'm a purist that way i want to be in the room because that that warmth that warm back and forth you, you can't it's very very diff, difficult to replicate that virtually so i had guests lined up you know all across the world but when the pandemic hit i was forced to kind of you know physically recede on those plans and look closer to home so um I've had some incredible entrepreneurs on the show. Um, I've had uh, stand-up comedians. I've had Hollywood actors, um, journalists, and, and videographers. Um, just some fantastic people. And the only criteria really for me is that, obviously, they should have achieved some level of mastery right, and success in, in their field. Number two, they should be an exceptional communicator. You know, I want best-in-class communicators, really, really good storytellers. And number three, I don't really care if they're famous or not. Some of them have a big platform. You know, as I said, Jason Tobin there, Hollywood actor, is in Fast and the Furious 9. But he's incredibly self-aware. He's incredibly humble. And that's why I wanted to bring him on the show. It wasn't just because, you know, he had a decent platform. He's a Hollywood actor. I don't really care. The fact is it's a very interesting story because he used to ride the bus every morning uh, to KG5 as a teenager, dreaming of, uh, of making it big, watching Bruce Lee movies. And it took him 25 years, right? He left Hong Kong for LA when he was 18. It took him 25 years to get a hit TV show. It's just incredible levels of grit and persistence. And these kind of human stories are what I'm interested in. So, yes, there are some some fairly famous people on the show and I've got some great guests lined up. Um, but hidden gems are just as special to me uh, and like bringing Andrew them to Lang. light and giving them a platform. I just can't believe. Incredible, right? I, yeah, Andrew's yeah. story is amazing. I just can't believe my, my own bad luck that you got him on first before me. <laughs> Beat you to the punch. Yeah. He's a very difficult man to get a hold of. He very is. difficult man to get a hold of. But... You know, the, the places he's been, right, he's been to Chernobyl. Uh, how many people do I know have been to Chernobyl and actually been inside and, and filmed it for a documentary, right? He's been to, you know, the depths of the Himalayas. He was on the front line of the Hong Kong protests. He's just seen so much and he hasn't really had a chance to, to process and download all the things he's seen. So I, I was very happy that he chose me as, as, the, as the platform to do that. So there's a real breadth of people on there. There are many different kinds of successful lives. There are very m many different kinds of beautiful lives. And I, I don't want to, you know, double down on one particular industry too much. Uh, I'm very kind of widespread in, in who I'm looking for. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, your, your other life yeah. as well. You're also a, a, a public uh, speaking consultant and, and a public speaking coach as well. Um, Michael, I, I do want to pick your brain about this because it, we, all, we all have messages. We all have stories to share. But why is it that some people are so afraid to speak in public? What's so scary about it? It's incredibly scary. I think <laughs> number one is I would admit that fact. Right? I will, I'll address that head on. Um, in evolutionary terms, it makes perfect sense. You know, I've, uh, I've talked about this before, but we are hardwired to be afraid of public speaking because, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago when we lived, you know, in small, tight-knit nomadic tribes that were very, very tight and you relied on the people around you for survival, right? Um, saying the wrong thing, putting 
putting your head above the parapet and saying the wrong thing meant you were rejected from the tribe, which is why we are evolutionarily hardwired to seek conformity, to, to seek to blend in, right? This is, this is basic human nature. And the thing we have to realize is that the world has changed, right? We no longer live in these small tight-knit tribes. We're, the world is a lot safer. There's no wildebeest and saber-toothed tigers out to kill us if we get ejected from the tribe. You know, there are supermarkets to get food and we have shelter. But there's still that nagging fear always, that, that fight or flight kind of reaction when we're forced to speak on stage and speak our mind, because it was literally life or death. It was make or break before. But um, that piece of software, it no longer serves us. I like to think of the brain kind of as, as an operating system. And that's an old piece of legacy software we can dispense with. Um, but it makes total sense that one fear that people have is public speaking. It's, it's so common. Yeah. So how do we sort of prepare ourselves um, to be better speakers? And it's not easy for everyone, but some people just do it quite naturally. What's the difference between those who appear quite natural? I mean, you're a natural speaker. Um, you're naturally good at it. So how do you, you prepare say that, but <laughs> You put in a lot of hard work, I'm sure. Yeah, so. I mean... Yeah, as I'm sure you did too, right? With with hundreds of shows, thousands of shows, you get better. You get better, right? It just gets a little bit easier. Um, so I think first off, you know, I appreciate the compliment, but I would hesitate to say that I'm a natural. Um, I think you can be, I've said before, you can be blessed with, with genetics for, for intelligence levels. That's fine. But then what, what do you do with that? So I think there's a number of things that you can do. Number one, I always say is, is cultivate a love of reading, right? Cultivate a love of reading and do not consume content passively. So cultivating a love of reading and a love of learning will naturally expand your vocabulary. And when it comes down to it, being articulate really is just knowing the same thing seven different ways, right? It's, it's kind of verbal, verbal judo, right? And, and that's what I've become quite good at. Um, so I think to, to say that people are born good communicators or born great leaders, even the best out there will tell you that they're not, you know, Barack Obama, Warren Buffett, these are, you know, famous communicators um, who can hold a room. They will both admit that they were not born that way. It comes through practice um, and by cultivating certain habits. And there's, of course, there's things that you can do to, to kind of calm your nerves. There, there, are, there are tools and techniques, but, but really kind of you had just have to come into contact with reality enough times. You have to get outside of your comfort zone little by little every single day. And that's how your circle of competence and circle of confidence expands. Uh, and that's really what's going to help you. Yeah. Does it also come down to sort of charm and likability as well? I mean, you've got the skills to, to, to speak well. And like you said, it's what you do with it. But maybe ultimately it comes down to um, being likable and coming across well. So how can people um, appear yeah. more charming and, and, and be liked more? It's a, that's a great question. I think charm and likability, they're very hard to nail down, right? They're, they're very, right? Tell me they're, about they're hard, it. Oh. hard to describe. <laughs> it's hard to nail down exactly what it means, right? To, to define those terms, but I 100% agree with you. I think likability, number one, comes, as a speaker, it comes from being relatable, right? Likability comes from being relatable. I'm not better than you. When I step on stage, I don't believe that I'm better than anyone that I'm speaking to. I don't think I'm smarter. I don't think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on a, but you are, you have to remember you're literally on a platform. You're on a podium, right? That's the nature of public speaking, the nature of public speaking, garbling my words. So happens to everyone. Um, so when you are on that stage, one of the first things I will immediately look to do 
is to disarm any feelings of hostility that the audience might have. And first of all, remember that most people aren't actually feeling hostile. They're there to learn. They're here to hear something. They want something actionable to take away. So actually, the audience is on your side. But I will always try and disarm and reduce that distance between us, that physical distance, that emotional distance, by making myself relatable, whether that's through self-deprecating humor right off the bat, making fun of myself. Um, also, just trying to think about what's important for the audience to hear, all right? They're not here to stand in awe about how intelligent you are and how much you know, right? You're only important because of the message that you're there to deliver. How can it make their lives better? How will their lives be improved for having sat and listened to you for, for half an hour? So that's what I'm always thinking about. It's about the message. It's not about the messenger. It's not about me and my ego. So that's what I'm always trying to remove. Um, like ability, there's things you can do as well, just small hacks. I always try and talk to my audience and mingle with my audience beforehand to get them on side, right? Getting that into that warm conversational um, frame of mind before you step onto stage, you'll naturally flow from a more natural conversational um, kind of feeling rather than a robotic, you know, reading verbatim kind of uh, orator style speech. Um, charm. It's interesting. So charm or charisma, I mean, the two terms may be interchangeable. Uh, the author, Olivia Fox Caban, talks about it being comprised of three things. So if I remember this correctly, uh, charisma is broken down into power, presence, and warmth. And you need all three to be charismatic. So if you're overly powerful and present, but you lack warmth, you, you just come across as a bit of a dictator, right? Similarly, if you have presence, you're very in the moment, you're very warm, but maybe, you, you know, your appearance is a bit disheveled and you're not appearing powerful you won't be charismatic. So you need all three. Um, and those, if you think about those three individual components, it actually makes a lot of sense. If you, if you can work out how to, to marry all those three together, they directly impact on your charisma. Um, but also just being prepared and knowing your message, right? You're going to come across as more authoritative. I think a lot of people don't perform well on because they haven't done the prep, they haven't done the work and they know it. And that's what makes them more nervous, right? When you go into an exam room, for example, and you haven't studied, you haven't revised, you know it, right? You know, you haven't put in the hours, you know, you haven't put in the reps. Um, and that's one way that you can kind of, is just to prepare obsessively is one way that you can be more confident on stage. Yeah, I think you nailed it uh, right, right in the head. And, and it's true. Uh, if you are prepared, even if you don't have the notes in front of you, you, you have at the back of your mind and, and you can just uh, deliver your message. And on, on the point of warmth, I, I do remember um, emceeing an event one time, uh, a, a charity event, and the whole purpose of the charity event was to reveal the final figures of how much we raised. Um, <laughs> I breezed through the whole right. ceremony except for revealing the figures and the the end. I don't think anybody else noticed it, <laughs> except for my Amazing. boss. <laughs> so uh, these things do happen. <laughs> Has that ever yeah, happened to you? Absolutely. Just being on stage and and you know making a mistake, but maybe nobody else noticed. But yeah. you know, and you were able to cover it up. I don't think. Yeah, as you said, the only maybe the, your boss noticed, right? And I've. I've done things like that before where I've just kind of forgotten as an MC, I do a lot of MCing and hosting and I've, I've definitely forgotten to introduce people. You know, there's maybe two people waiting in the wings to come on and I introduce one and forget the other. But look, I think all is forgiven as long as your intentions are there. And as you said, you're warm and you know, you show that you're there to help people and to serve. I think people will be very, very forgiving a lot of the time. Um, but like you said, that, that warmth, I think it really boils down to empathy, right? How can I be more charismatic? How can I be more likable? It comes down to empathy, right? Putting yourself in, in the audience's shoes and just thinking, okay, what do they want to take away from this speech? Not 
look how smart I am. Then, you know, that will never come across well. Yeah, well, you're so humble because you're really smart, Michael. I know that because I went to school with you. Um, Michael, thank you so much uh, for your sharing uh, this afternoon with our listeners and our audience on Facebook. Um, do remind our listeners once again, how can we find out more about playing the inner game? Have you got a platform? Where can we visit? Yeah, thank you so much, Noreen. Um, playing in a game, it's it's obviously it's very close to my heart. It is um, available everywhere you get your podcasts. So you can listen on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Google Podcasts, wherever you get them. Playing in a game is there. So um, yeah, if, if you're all about self-development, entrepreneurship, leaving things better than you found them, then I've got some amazing long-form conversations with, with some stellar guests. So thank yeah. you. And it's wonderfully made. Um, well, we didn't even get to how you found your equipment and, and all those, but we'll save that uh, topic for another day because I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> listening will, will be uh, tuning in to listen to your podcast and maybe uh, feel inspired to starting their own. Uh, many thanks once again. Uh, that's Michael Campion, the host of Playing the Inner Game. Thank you very much.